Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Forefront Church in Harvey Park. Thank you also for joining us this morning. If you are new here at Forefront, thank you for, for joining us this morning. And I just hope that maybe this morning you will find a home, church home. And for those of you online, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Ron. I'm one of the leaders here at the church. And one of the things I was kind of reminded of uh, just recently was this, this, this thing, this bad decision I made. Um, but have you ever been duped into buying something that was promised to be amazing and really wasn't amazing? I remember buying this, uh, these Apple AirPods, but they're really not Apple AirPods. They're kind of like a more off-brand set of Apple AirPods. And they were, they were really cool. They were the sleek black colors. I thought, man, these would be awesome. They look just like Apple AirPods, but they're black. Thought, okay, so order, right? And so I, as I ordered it, and um, it's been about two years now, and I'm still waiting for this uh, to come in. So I, I was really super bummed because when, when you look at the ad, it looked legit, right? They even have all these reviews saying how amazing these things are, and, and so I thought, oh, you know, if I order these, you know, they're actually the cost of Apple AirPods, and and all these people are saying they're pretty awesome. And so I, I was just kind of just kind of bewildered and, and bad, and, I, and bummed out that I made this bad decision. And you know, I saw the ad on Instagram, so that probably should have told me that that probably wasn't a good decision to order something on Instagram. All right, so it was just too good to be true. Right? It was too good of a deal to be real. So how can you tell when when something's real or something's fake news, right? It seems like if it's on the internet, it's got to be real, right? Yeah. So I, I buy that. But if we bring it into our lives, into, into like our prayer life, right? Have you ever told someone who was in need or is hurting the hate, I'm going to pray for you? Or if someone is asking you to commit to help, and hey, you know, I'm going to go move. You know, this Saturday, can you make it? You know, and you just say, well, you know, I'll pray for That's not good. Cool, but, you know, maybe we've done that in the past. But I'll pray about it. Or maybe there's something in our lives that we know we need to pray about, but we really don't. We don't really take the time. We know, like, you know, I should be praying about this thing about it. I really just need God to go work on this. But we don't take the time to go pray. Right? It just seems like... Just like this ad for these awesome AirPods, we're making these extravagant, extravagant claims that, that we're going to do the same thing, that we're going to pray for you. I'm going to go pray for myself. Yes, we follow through on what we say we're going to pray. So when it comes to prayer, are we being real about it? Are we, are we being serious about it? Are we being real with our prayer? So we're really just diving in here this, this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn to James chapter 5. If, if you don't have a Bible this morning, there are uh, some Bibles out in the, in the foyer over there that you can actually take home with you. If you have an iPhone, you can go and pull up the version app and pull up the Bible there. If you have, uh, what's that other phone, the Android phone, I don't think the Bible comes up in that. So you might want to get some of these someone next to you and can read the Bible out of the lips. Right? So if you look at James chapter 5, 
Again, it's God didn't care. In verse 13, it says, is, any, if, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again. Holy Father, I want to thank you so much for, for today. I thank you for bringing us here this morning, that we have this freedom to come before you to sing honor and praises to your name, to learn uh, things from your word. I just ask you to please open our hearts this morning that we would um, learn the things that you want us to learn, and we would apply the things you want us to apply in our lives. I do pray for, for Pastor Julius Ben as they're traveling today, that uh, we just give them strength and encouragement, Lord, that, that as they mourn the loss of a loved one. And uh, please watch over the family. Uh, give them strength, uh, knowing that uh, you have them in your hands. We love you and thank you again for all you do this morning. And uh, just thank you so much for Jesus who died in the and all So, we're closing out our study in the book of James. And when we look back from James chapter 1 through James chapter 5, as Pastor James taught through these chapters, we're reminded that, that James wrote this letter outlining general characteristics of Christian life, right? And how we need to get real with our journey and our walk with Jesus. So as we learned in the past several weeks, uh, James' letter is a series of, of tests of genuine faith, and that this prayer life, today what we learn through this prayer life is no different than yours. When we read back in the first chapter of James, he actually writes this, If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubt. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So James, what he's really saying here is that there is a relationship between prayer and faith that is not mutually exclusive. You can't talk about one without the other. Prayer and faith. James uses several versions of the word prayer in this passage. It's pray, prayer, pray. Seven times in this passage alone, he calls it out. He emphasizes that prayer and faith are tied together. And if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. Genuine faith is demonstrated by a prayerful dependence on God in every situation. Genuine faith is demonstrated by a prayerful dependence on God in every situation. So what is prayer to you? Is, is it a way for you to commune 
creator of the universe, creator God, our Father? Or, or is prayer kind of like getting our wish list to God? It's almost like, you know, when you have an Amazon wish list, right? you could say it's public, right? So people can see it, and hopefully they'll see your wish list and order stuff for you. Do you, do you see it that way? Or do we look at, at God as kind of like a genie in the bottle, right? You just kind of just rub it. Phenomenal cosmic power. It'd be the living space, right? Poof. What do you need? Poof. What do you need? Poof. What do you need? And we'll give our wishes to God. Is that how we see God in our lives? Or is prayer more of a last resort? That when things hit the fan and there's nothing else working, that's when we go to him. Now, there is power in prayer, but I believe that we don't always rely on prayer. And maybe we don't always believe that prayer works. Maybe for some of us, when we pray, it just seems like it's not going past the ceiling. It just bounces off there. So this morning, our big idea, or what I like to call the sermon in a sentence, is this. There is power in prayer when we believe in what we ask. There is power in prayer when we believe what we ask. So there are three things this morning that we see in this passage in James chapter 5. And the first one is this. It's the power of of prayer and practice. So let's go look back in James chapter 5 and verse 13. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Right? So, so James kicks off with verse 13, and he's asking if any of us is suffering. It's interesting that, again, back in James chapter 1, uh, he writes about trials. Right? It's, he's aware that we'll experience trials and suffering, right? It's not really a question of if, but it's a question of when that would happen. And then again, if you look in, uh, in chapter 5, just, just several verses above 13 in, chap- in verse 10, he talks about or provides examples of suffering through, through the patience of the prophets, right, who spoke in the name of the Lord. And so when you think back in the Old Testament, you hear and you read about prophets like who suffered imprisonment, right? There's, there's another prophet, Isaiah, who suffered rejection. Jeremiah suffered opposition. Ezekiel suffered bereavement or loss. And Hosea, who suffered marital problems because his wife was unfaithful. The point that James is making here is that godly people are not exempt from suffering. And so maybe you're going through something difficult right now. Maybe you're suffering through it. It could be something physical, emotional, relational, financial, spiritual, right? Those are really the five things that whenever we're suffering and have a hard time, they fit in one of those five. James says that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. And to be steadfast is to be unwavering. And so when our unwaveringness if that's a word, uh, unwaveringness. If, we're, if our unwaveringness is it's game on and it's in full effect, we'll be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When we face difficult situations, we need to be unwavering in our prayers. But, but here's the thing. We have to be careful not to view 
prayer as a means to an end, right? The very act of prayer is as vital as the answer to the prayer, right? Sometimes prayer may not give us the answer that, that we are looking for, but, but it will provide the answer that we need, whatever it is for you, whatever that may be for you. What's important is through our prayers, we are dependent on God. Right? It is our dependence on God that's important here. So his grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in our weakness. So Pastor Drew said it best last week. He said, when we wait for our problems to be solved, we are consumed with the problem. But when we wait for Jesus to make all things right, we become concerned with the problem solver. Right? So let's not focus on, on the junk that's happening. Yeah, we'll pray about it. But really, our focus needs to be on the problem solver. Our focus needs to be on Jesus. Because when we do that, then you know what? This stuff just doesn't matter anymore. So are you suffering today? James says to pray. Trust God when things are going not awesome. In verse 13, then, as we continue, James shifts from, from suffering, kind of a darker, to cheerfulness. And, and if we're in good spirits and, and things are going pretty awesome, he says, let's just sing praises to our God. Right? Now, I don't think that James really is shifting from prayer to something different like praise. Right? Because praise really is prayer. When you look at hymns and you read hymns, those old songs that we used to sing and, and sometimes sing here, they're prayers to our God, aren't they? When you read through that, it's a prayer to our God. So there's no separation between prayer and praise, right? We sing adoration to our God. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Let's address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So let's thank God when things are good. Now, it's easy, it's easy to forget about God when things aren't going the way we want them to, right? But when you look at the other way, you know, where, where we don't rely on him, when we try to fix things on our own and do things the way that we know how, right, we, we tend to forget. But when you look on the other side where, where, where when things are going so well, we, we tend to or are, are tempted to forget about God still, right? Because we're living in the moment. Life is good. We're going to go put God on the shelf. We don't need him right now because things are just amazing, right? So there are two sides of prayer here. When things are not going quite as well as we want them to, let's pray. When things are good, let's sing praise. So genuine faith or real faith is praying and depending on God no matter the situation. This is our calling to personal prayer. And as we continue reading through this, James also talks about our calling to intercessory prayer or prayer on behalf of another. So at verse 14 and 15, he says, If anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So this 
focus now has moved a little bit from personal prayer to prayer for others or to intercede in prayer on their behalf. So if someone is sick, and maybe it's not just sick sick, maybe it's more incapacitated sick like super sick, let's get the elders together and pray over them. And he even says, let's pray over them with oil. What is that like? Vegetable oil? Olive oil, maybe? Hey, you know, maybe if we use extra virgin olive oil, our prayers, our prayers will work a lot better. Think? Right? No, so what they're talking about here is that this is anointing oil. Oil that can be either symbolic or medicinal. Right? And so some people, if you think about some people, hey, use oil, like essential oils. Like, I don't work for these guys, but if I say doTERRA, you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? People use oils for healing. You can get some kind of oil, rub it on your belly, and you'll feel better, right? Or you just put in a diffuser, and it's aromatic, and it just calms your spirit, right? So oils are even used today. So we use the oil, the use of oil, many times in the Bible. In Mark chapter 13, it says that the disciples cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who are sick and healed them. Then in Luke chapter 10, verse 34, there is this, this man who was, who was robbed, beaten, and left for dead, and a good Samaritan came and poured oil on his wounds for healing. So anointing with oil has uh, some ancient uh, medication, right? It is an ancient medication. It's kind of like an ancient Chinese secret. Uh, but, but really, it, not only was it used a lot back then, but it is, is used a lot today. So James says, the elders will pray over the sick with oil in the name of the Lord. So in a sense, the medication or treatment is an expression of faith. It's not the doctor nor the treatment or the procedure themselves that really heals here, right? Only God heals. So faith, faith is this. Faith does not refuse to go to the doctor. God heals, but we don't want to ignore who he works through to provide the healing. It reminds me of this, this, this really funny story. So there's this man who was stuck on a roof, and, and there was a pretty serious flood going on. And so he was praying to God for help. And so this man in a rowboat comes by and goes, Hey, you know, come on, jump on in. I can save you. But the stranded man says, No, 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 thank you. I'm fine. You know, I'm praying to God. I believe he's going to save me. Right? So then the rowboat guy moves on. And then a motorboat comes in, he goes, hey, stranded guy, come jump into the boat. You know, we'll save you. And yet the guy responds again, says, no, 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 it's okay. I'm praying to God. He's going to save me. I have faith. Right? So the motorboat guy drives off. And then the helicopter flies over. And the pilot says, hey, grab this rope. You know, I'm, I'll, I'm here to save you. I can just lift you up and get you out of here. And then the, the stranded guy says, no, 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 thanks. I'm good. And I'm praying to God. He's going to save me. Um, I've got faith, right? And so the soon the water rises and, and gets up to the rooftop, and then the man drowns. The end. So anyway, <laughs> well, there wasn't anything funny about that, right? And so he sees God, and he, he, says, and he has this opportunity now to go and ask God, hey, God, you know, I was just praying to you, and, and I had this faith in you that you were going to go save me, but then you let me drown. I just don't understand why. And God says, I sent you a rowboat and a motorboat and a helicopter. What else do you expect? <laughs> no, it, it's kind of a funny 
funny joke, but in actuality, you know, are we missing out on what God is doing? Right? He is working in our lives today. And if we're praying, he is working, but sometimes we just kind of miss it. So obviously, only God heals and saves, but we can't ignore what he is providing to help us. And so when you look back at verse 15, there's a key statement that, that James makes here. is a prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he committed sins, he will be forgiven. So the prayer of faith is not really talking about the one who is sick, right? It is the prayer of faith of the ones who are interceding for that sick person. Intercessors pray on his or her behalf, right? So this can be difficult and a controversial verse because uh, not everyone gets better, right? Not everyone gets healed. It doesn't guarantee that every sick person will be healed. The sick person we pray for may not ever get healed. The things that we pray for for our own lives may not ever happen the way that we want them to, right? Those things may not ever get better. So what this passage is doing is challenging us to believe God has it under control when we pray. Right? The prayer of faith is not what heals or makes things better, right? Healing happens by the sovereign power and authority of God. We just have to believe and know that he's got it. He can do. He's got the power to go and do and fix these things. He's got the power to go and heal people. So Mark Batterson is a, is a writer of this book. This is called The Circle Maker. Um, encourage you if, you, if you want to read more about prayer, this is a really good book. Again, I don't work for Mark. But, um, but it's a pretty good book. And uh, you order today. No, just kidding. Um, so Mark Batterson says this. The greatest moments in life are the miraculous moments when human impotence and divine omnipot- omnipotence intersect. And they intersect and draw a circle around the impossible situations in our lives and invite God to intervene. Right? We're depraved. We don't... We're weak. We have this human impotence. And so it's us, it's up to us to go and invite God, the omnipotent God, into our lives and intervene with whatever's going on in our lives. And we would trust him in that. And so the second thing that we see when, we're, when we read through James chapter 5 is, is this, the power of prayer working. And so we'll see this. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So James continues his point of praying for one another, but more in the sense of, of accountability. Right? When, we, when we confess to one another, we should not be condemning one another. Right? We confess to one another so we can pray for one another. This, this life is hard enough as it is. And if we know that we have someone in, the, in our corner praying for us, it helps us get through. You know, we're not alone in this battle, in this, in this life that we live, because someone is praying for us. And if, even if we can't pray with one another, we should still pray for one another. It doesn't mean that we have to be physically together, right? We can always pray for each other, even while apart. So having uh, this, this confession and this prayer, we know that, that confession and prayer works together to bring healing. 
right? And that's not necessarily healing from, from an illness per se, right? But it's healing from a spiritual sense. It's a healing of our relationship with God because we know that sin separates us from God, but confession and repentance brings us back. I've read somewhere that there is a real connection between sin and sickness where our spiritual problems can, can manifest into a physical problems. And this is when we need to start prioritizing more of our spiritual life rather than the physical portion of it. So as we continue, the verse says, the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. So there is power in prayer, but, but not in the prayer itself, but in the person who prays. Right? This tied to the character of the one who prays, right? This is that righteous person. So God is infinitely holy, and we are pretty depraved, right? We aren't really accepted into God's presence by what we do. Instead, through the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and the forgiveness, forgiveness of God through faith in him, it's that that makes us righteous in the eyes of God, right? Our faith alone doesn't automatically make our prayers powerful, right? It's how we practice our faith in Jesus. So how do we live our lives as Christ followers? Do we listen to God? Do we do what he says? Are we in tune with his plans or his kingdom? It's back to to what Mark Batterson said earlier. It's our human impotence intersecting with God's divine omnipotence. And he further writes this, I feel underqualified and but that is when God has you right where he wants you. That is how you learn to live in raw dependence, and raw dependence is raw material out of which God forms his greatest miracles. So back in 2005, I was co-leading a a team to go on a mission trip to Bosnia. And this team was made of eight folks. There was five guys and three ladies. And we all came from our singles group, so we already knew each other pretty well, really good friends, but we were excited to go and do whatever God has called us to do over there in Bosnia. I've actually never really led a mission trip before or just really led anyone before, right? So it was definitely out of my depth. And it started pretty easy enough, right? Because, you know, we were, we were pretty young. We were determined and, and uh, felt pretty invisible, right? So God's got this. We can do this. But two weeks before we were supposed to fly out, one of our teammates broke her ankle. And uh, her foot was severely swollen. It, the doctor said, you know, you should not go on this trip. And so she even showed us the x-rays. And you can see her foot, and there was this obvious break in it. And uh, it just wasn't a good thing. Well, we were all pretty devastated. We, we spent so much time doing team-building things. You know, yeah, we were friends before, but, but going on a, on a mission trip is different, right? You have to do some team building and just seeing, you know, what our strengths and our weaknesses are. And so we spent so much time uh, going an extra mile to build up this team. And she was a really key member of our team. You know, she, she was the glue that kind of kept us going forward, right? So I didn't really know what to do as a leader at this time. Right? I, I was pretty unprepared for something like this. You know, everyone was pretty bummed out. Uh, we didn't really know what to do. And, and... It's like I really felt um, underqualified and, and overwhelmed in this situation. And so the only thing I, I know or knew I could do was just pray. 
and pray fervently, to humbly go before God and pray for our friend, you know, and then pray for us. So we all came together one evening to go pray for our team member. And so, but that wasn't all that we prayed for. We prayed not only for her healing, we prayed for protection for the team as we go off and, and travel to Bosnia. We pray that that'll go all smoothly because there's a lot of stops that we had to go through. We had to go, and we prayed for, for the people that we'd come in contact with over there in Bosnia, right? We, we prayed that, that God's glory would be revealed in every situation. So what I thought was going to be maybe a pretty short prayer ended up being about two hours long, right? Because when you're in this, in this mode of prayer, just time just flies, right? Because you're, you're communing with God. You're praying to things that he wants. You know, what's, what's coming from his heart is in your heart, and you're praying for those things. So a couple days later, we're meeting again, and so our friend comes in, and she shows us this x-ray. And I kid you not, the break was gone. That break that was so obvious was there was no longer there. So in this couple of days when we were praying, she was completely healed. And it just, um, whenever I think about it, it just, just puts me in awe that we have this powerful God, that he still heals, he still works miracles. It's, it's something that I've never really seen before, and it's probably the greatest miracle I've ever seen and experienced that God has done in my life, and to see. So we went on this trip, and the lives were changed, but not only the people's lives that we came in contact with, but our lives as well. All right, so great power works when the righteous pray, when God's people pray. I can tell you that God is not only paying attention to what is being prayed, but who is praying to him. In Hebrews chapter 4, says, Since then we have a great high priest passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, has hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus knows what we need, and you know, he's been there. He's lived it. He understands what we're going through. His grace is perfect, or made perfect, in our weakness. Right, so God knows our prayers, and maybe you've heard this said before. God knows our prayers, but he loves to work through the prayers of his people. So the final thing that we, we see is we see the power of God and how it's working is the power of prayer illustrated here in, in the next few passages. So if, let's continue on in James chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. In these verses, James uses Elijah to illustrate the power of prayer. Right, throughout this letter from James, he mentions, like, from, from James chapter 1 through, through 5, he, he mentions uh, four Old Testament ce- celebrities, like they call them, right? So he writes about the faith works of Abraham. He talks about the, the saving faith of Rahab and the steadfast endurance of Job. And so today, this morning, we hear about the prayer life of Elijah and his faith. Right, so Elijah was a prophet, and he performed... Many, many miracles. He's actually one of two in the Bible who didn't die, right? He was taken up by a whirlwind straight to heaven, right? So here's a man who performed many, many, many miracles, and he bypassed death. God did not let him pass go, 
and he pulled them up directly into heaven. But in verse 17, James says this, he was a man with a nature like ours. He was an ordinary man, but he prayed fervently. And so the story that, that James is referencing here is this time when, when King Ahab was the king of Israel. And he was being disobedient to God. He ignored God. And instead, what he, he worshipped was this little g-god named Baal. Baal, actually, is how you say it. So he was worshiping this other god, this little god, instead of the true god. And so God tells Elijah, hey, let's go make a point and, make, and use this guy as an example. I want you, Elijah, to pray that it'll stop raining. Because when there's no rain, there'll be a famine, right? There'll be a drought. And so the whole economy of Israel will just get messed up because the land will not bear fruit any longer. So I want you to go and pray that there will not be rain. And so Elijah prays that the rain will stop. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. So is there something in your life that you need to pray for that needs to stop? There's something in your life that's keeping you from having the fullness of, of Jesus in your life, that the fullness of your relationship with him. What is it in your life that's keeping you away from Jesus that you need to pray to have it stopped? What is it in your family or what is it in your life that is destroying you and your family that needs to stop? Are you praying to God to put an end to that? Elijah was an anointed prophet, but James here doesn't really credit him for that. Instead, he mentions that he was a man with a nature like ours and that he prayed. And so God says, hey, Elijah, I think we made our point. I want you to go ahead and pray and pray for rain. And so Elijah prayed fervently and the rain came back down. The power was not in the prophet, right? The power is from God through the prayer of his people. And in your life, where do you need to pray for rain? Where are those things that you need healing from? What do you need relief from? Because when you pray to God, fervently to him, he'll answer you. In 1 John 5, verse 14, he says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. When we humbly become before God, he hears our prayers. When we earnestly seek him and everything in our lives are dependent on him, we are more in tune with what he wants and what he wants in his kingdom. And when you look at the Lord's prayer, he even says, Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If we're in tune with him, this is all that matters. And I, I feel like here I am standing before you again, and and it seems heavy, right? And I have to blame Pastor Drew for this. Because the last time I was teaching, he, he made me do the same kind of a thing, right? That, that, this is really deep. This really cuts into something personal in our lives when it comes to something like prayer, right? Because not all of us pray all the time. We're not ones who pray without ceasing. Maybe there's just something that just comes up in our mind, we'll, we'll pray something, Right? But is it con uh, continuous? 
Do we pray all day? Do we think about Jesus all day? Do we pray to him every single hour? Is something that's coming in our minds? Do we, do we just pray? We sit at our desk, think about, oh, let's just throw up a quick prayer. You know, it's heavy. And Pastor Drew's not here, but I'll blame him, Pastor Drew, for, for something this dark. No, it's not dark. <laughs> but it's really deep, right? And so I'm going to share something with you this morning. And, and it's about that. Uh, remember that gal I was telling you who, who broke her ankle? You know, we prayed for her, and she got healed. Well, seven months after that mission trip, we got engaged. And, and things were just amazing. Things were going so well because we just had this, this, this we, we grew together on this trip. We, you know, we've known each other before for, for a while, but in this trip, I think we went to the next level in growing this relationship and getting to know each other as well. And so things were just going well for a while. But somewhere along the line, we began to lose our focus in Jesus, right? It's like I said before, when things are going awesome and great, it's like sometimes we just put Jesus on the shelf. We don't need them right now because things are just going so well. So we began to live more, I guess, worldly, let's say. You know, we, we didn't really focus a whole lot on Jesus as much as we should have, and so we're just living like the world. You know, and it, it wasn't the life that, that, that God called us to live. And so we started to separate ourselves from our close friends. You know, these are the friends that we that we built strong relationships with on this mission trip, but it was just friends from church we just didn't even really hang out with anymore. And in the midst of this, I confessed to her that I had an addiction to pornography. And it was something that happened when I was in, in high school, and then I, and I thought I, I, I did it, but because we were living like the world, it came back, and so I had to confess to her that that was happening. And the relationship pretty much ended there. It would have been easy to forget about Jesus during this, one of the toughest times of my life. But, but I prayed. Because that's all I could do. I went to God humbly and, and prayed fervently. And, you know, my, my prayer started off as, Lord, I, I just can you just heal this relationship that maybe she and I can, can get back together again? You know, it started off that way, but, it, but as time went by and passed, the prayers are more like, God, I just want you to heal my relationship with you. I wanted to find who I am again in Jesus. I didn't really know how he was going to answer that, but... Uh, Another couple months later, God brought another brother in Christ into my life who experienced a lot of the same things I did in this relationship. And, and he was one who really understood where I was coming from. He, we prayed a lot together. And I'm going to tell you his name. His name is Shannon. He's probably one of my best friends in my life. And he's a pastor at a church here now. He's a, he's a senior pastor. And so if you would, if you think about our pastors, just, just pray for our pastors. And, and so Shannon came to my life, and, and he just helped me grow in my confidence in Jesus again. That I knew that I had power through Jesus' saving grace. And I have to be honest that, that even now I still have temptations, but 
I went to some of my closest friends, my closest brothers, and I asked them to pray for me. I confessed to them this, this sin, the sin, these temptations that I have. Asked them, I just need your prayer. Just give me, that God will just give me the strength daily to stop this, to get this out of my life. And, and if you're out there, the brothers that I know, just thank you. I just thank you so much for your prayers. You know, there is power in prayer, but the power comes from the one we're praying to. And Mark Batterson, again, I don't work for him, but he says this. And I just feel like you know, I'm quoting a lot of things from this book because this made a huge difference in my life, in my prayer life. And he writes this, prayers are prophecies. They are the best predictors of your spiritual future become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. So I don't know what is going on in your life right now if you are struggling through something difficult, if you're healing, or maybe, maybe you're actually doing pretty well. You're pretty cheerful. You know, let's, let's praise God. Let's pray to God. Let's praise God. So what are you praying for today? Are you even praying? If you're not, I encourage you to take the time to, to make that part of your life, to kind of get that ingrained in your life daily and have that, that close communion to God because we have direct access through him, through our prayers. Corey Ten Boom says this, and I'll leave you with this one. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? 